Welcome to Mind Love, episode 56. Today's episode is all about accessing truth through the Akashic Records. Working in the record is like holding up this lens of unconditional regard for ourselves and then, of course, others. So we begin to see and know ourselves in the true integrity of our goodness that enables us to engage with life just the way it is to appreciate ourselves and others just the way we are. And in so doing, it's like to ignite the inherent dignity that's living within each and every one of us. Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. First, Mind Love is a CastBox original. CastBox is the fastest growing, highest rated podcast app on both iOS and Android. And for good reason, the app is awesome. Personally, it's my favorite and where I listen to all of my podcasts. You can still listen to Mind Love wherever you get your podcasts, but I hope you'll give CastBox a try. Second, don't forget to subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening on and leave a review if you can. Reviews really help to entice more amazing guests. Plus, it helps me grow the show, which ultimately helps me give more value to you guys. Hi, friends. Life can be pretty messy. We start out as these innocent babies all full of love. And then as we move through life, our brains start to develop based on all the things we've gone through and the things we're taught and the things that the people around us believe. Then we experience our first bit of pain and trauma and our brains and our bodies start to develop these defense mechanisms to help us avoid those things, which is kind of ironic because a lot of times that just makes us attract more of those things. So by the time we're grown-ass adults, we've already got all these wires crossed, blockages that keep us from experiencing love. But what if we had a lens that helped us see something in its highest, purest form, where we could see ourselves and another person or a situation through the lens of just love, which is really seeing something in its truth, because truth is love. Love is all there really is. Everything else is just our ego and all of these things that we put in our own way. Well, maybe there is a way. Today we're getting into a topic that's been requested a few times, but I was just waiting for the right person and I have found her. We're going to be learning about the Akashic Records. This topic keeps being put in my path in one way or another, and I don't ignore that shit anymore. So here we go. The Akashic Records are the energetic records of all souls about their past lives, the present lives, and possible future lives. This is very different than a psychic reading, but we'll get into that in the interview. So today, to guide us through the Akashic Records, we're going to be talking to Dr. Linda Howe. She's the leading expert in using the Akashic Records. She is the only person in the world with a doctorate in the subject. She's writing her fourth book on the Akashic Records, and she's the founder and director of the Center for Akashic Studies. She even has certification classes and award-winning books in which she shares optimal ways to tap into the Akashic Records, or what she calls the eternal wisdom of the soul, for practical application in everyday life. So when I told you I got the perfect person, I meant it. (laughs) So today, three key things we will learn are, 
what the Akashic Records even are and why you want to know, how to begin to tap into your Akashic Records, and how to use your soul's wisdom for transformation and healing. Before we get started, I want to tell you about the best way to stay in your highest frequency between episodes. Thousands of listeners are loving my daily morning mind love emails. They're short daily reminders of your own beauty, magic, and power so you can start each day with your best mindset. Just go to mindlove.com and sign up right there on the homepage. Or if you're out and about, just text the word morning to 33777. That's morning to 33777. Plus, you'll get some amazing free gifts when you do. First, you'll get a really cool free booklet of Powerless based on proven methods from the most successful people in the world to automate your highest decisions. Plus, you'll get a free guided affirmation meditation. It's set with a binaural frequency known as the miracle tone, which is known to make you a magnet for love, health, and abundance. Then it's layered with affirmations to perfectly tune your frequency for transformation. Just go to mindlove.com to sign up. Or if you're out and about, just text the word morning to 444-999. That's morning to 444-999. And now let's welcome Dr. Linda Howe to the show. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Melissa. It's great to be with you. To start us off, I think we should first address what exactly are the Akashic Records? <laughs> I don't know with the Akashic Record, because it's actually the idea that the Akashic Record is available to secular people like you and I. It's a relatively new idea. So I think that's really smart. So here's what it is. The Akashic Record is a vibrational archive of every soul in their journey. Okay. And then we can like take that apart, right? Because it's like, well, what is that, right? So here's what it is. Akasha is a Sanskrit word. And what it means is primary substance, that from which all things are formed. So this record, right, is composed of the primary essence of life before we get to it, before we humans get to it with our thoughts, our feelings, our experiences. So it's the raw essence of life. Now, it's vibrational. So what that means is it's invisible. We cannot see it. So there's no... It's not like, oh, we can see it. It has no physicality and it is completely available everywhere, right, in its wholeness. So it's not like there's a little bit of the record there in Santa Monica and a little bit of it here in Chicago. Actually, it is wholly available everywhere and it is available to us through a perceptual shift. Okay, so we understand kind of right, what Akasha is, that it's vibrational. It's an archive. So it's a collection of every soul that has ever been, every soul and their journey. And everyone is in the record. We can't vote anybody out because we don't like them anymore. If someone has bad behavior, we don't get to say, well, you have to leave. No, no, no. Everybody's in. Everybody's in. Everybody will always be in. It's like a composite, right, of all humans. It is directly related to Earth. Sometimes people are like, well, what about other planets? Well, First of all, I haven't been to any other planets, so I have nothing to say about that. But it's not about that. It's about human beings. It's the soul, really the soul of human. It's the record of the soul. So it's this invisible field of information about everything and everyone. But how do we use that information? Or what is that information supposed to tell us? Every person's in the record. 
And every individual set of records, like yours and mine and our listeners, each set of records has two parts. I think this is so fascinating, right? And the first part is permanent. It's something like the DNA of the soul or perhaps the blueprint of the soul. But again, remember, we can't see it. So you can't come to me and say, look at my blueprint. It's invisible. Okay. But here's what it is. People who are religious would understand it as your divine potential. So at the inception of the soul, there is like encoded in you or embedded, it's woven into the fabric of your soul, is your destiny, who you are destined to become. Okay? And it takes many lifetimes to realize that, first of all, to become aware of it and then to kind of get a sense of it and then to actually live as your highest potential. (laughs) This is why we have reincarnation from an Akashic perspective. So we have the soul's destiny, right? Your permanent file. And then what travels along with that is the collection of the stories of the lifetimes you live through which you become aware of your potential and you manifest that potential while still in human form. Okay, so both travel together. So that's what the record is. It's at the level of the soul. It's the soul level dimension of consciousness. Okay, so sometimes people are like, well, where is it? What part of the being? It's in the soul. I like to think of it as kind of like woven in, right? If I think of the soul as kind of like a fabric, I don't know, that might be a coarse term, but to understand that the record is a natural part of it. So does this make sense? It's interesting you use the word fabric because the whole time you were talking, I was reminded of this show that I've been watching on Amazon Prime called The Fabric of the Cosmos, which I highly recommend and I will definitely link to in the show notes. But one of the episodes was about how our understanding of space and time has changed. We used to see space as this flat, unchanging thing, but now we're understanding that it's woven together along with time into a kind of fabric called space-time. So there's a lot of talk about this invisible layer of information within spirituality, whether it's Akashic Records, collective consciousness, auras, or the spirit world being just outside our frequency. And at first, these concepts can be kind of hard to grasp or sound a little bit too woo-woo. But what I find really interesting is that science also has their own invisible layers of information. So the laws of quantum mechanics say that everything in our world can be broken down into information or strings of ones and zeros. So for the tech nerds out there, it's kind of like binary code. And that's why everything in our reality is explained through math. Well, mathematically speaking, the universe only needs two dimensions, not three, for the laws of physics and gravity to work like they should. But to us, everything seems to be this three-dimensional image, when really it's two-dimensional processes that are kind of projected. So I'm going to get into a little physics lesson, because this has been blowing my mind. First, let's talk about space-time. 
Space-time is this concept that's kind of hard to grasp, but I'm going to do my best. Space-time can be curved by matter. So I want you to picture a stretchy sheet and four people are holding it at each end from their corners as tightly as they can. But now picture what happens when you set a bowling ball on top of it. It sinks in the middle, right? Well, if you set some marbles on that also, they're going to fall right towards that bowling ball. And that's how gravity works. So the density of matter increases the amount of gravity and that pull that you get from the things around it. It's actually how our moon stays in orbit. Okay, next concept. Black holes are these areas in space-time where the gravity is so dense that matter and energy can't escape. So it's like this really strong vacuum or magnet. So what happens if something gets sucked inside of a black hole? Here's where it gets weird if it hasn't already. Scientists like Stephen Hawking believe that if something goes into a black hole, the information about whatever went into it becomes stored at the opening of a black hole, which they call the event horizon. The show Fabric of the Cosmo explains it like if you threw a wallet into the black hole, you would be able to recreate the wallet by the information held on the outside layer of the black hole. It's like a simulation. And then it makes you think, what if our current reality is a simulation? Elon Musk seems to think so. He says that based on probability, we are most likely in a simulation just because we exist. Like a really trippy video game. And video games are coded in binary code, and they're designed through functions and equations. And so is our reality. I could geek out on this all day, but I just wanted you to dip your toe in. But if physics nerd is your spirit animal too, I will link to the videos in the show notes. But either way, if science can explain a reason for some invisible layer of information, suddenly the Akashic records seem a little more plausible. It's just so fascinating to me that the more I study science and spirituality, the more these worlds seem to collide in a way. Okay, good, good, good. And you know what's interesting? I want to hear about this Netflix special, but that's all right. But you know, this understanding of space-time, right? So this is interesting because it actually factors in to a very fundamental perspective on the record. And this is this. From a record point of view, you have this divine potential, right? And you have spiritual possibility. I mean, right, you're an infinite being at the level of your soul. And that's all terrific when we don't have bodies. <laughs> I actually think it's, you know, it's like, yay, we get here. We're like, oh, my heavens, I'm in a body. What's up with that? Right. We're here on this planet that is I mean, so wonderful. It's the coolest planet out there as far as I can tell. But it's, it's a great planet, but it's very dense. It's physical. It's material. And from an Akashic perspective, the object of the game the game of life, so to speak, is to experience and express our spiritual essence while we are still in human form. And human form exists within the space-time continuum. We don't actualize or manifest outside of that. It doesn't make sense, and it's energetically impossible. So the challenge is, how do I, as an individual, how do any of us, how do I 
have a more conscious connection with my own soul and live in the ever-expanding awareness and expression of these great spiritual truths while I'm still in limited human form, right? It's like the $50 million paradox is, how is it true that on one hand, I'm infinite, eternal, immortal, unlimited? That's actually true. And on the other hand, I'm a mere mortal. I'm imperfect. I'm flawed. I'm physical. So how is it? And what's fascinating, see, the record is can also, it's like if we're looking, we kind of move around in space, right? We move around in the space of our awareness and we look from different perspectives. When we look at the record from one angle, let's say, so we see it woven in to the fabric of the soul. Okay. But then if we tilt a little, we also can understand that the Akashic record is the intersecting zone of heaven and earth, right? Now, I'm from the Midwest, so I use Midwestern terms, right? Because that's what I know. But it's like it. So when we recognize that, it's like, oh, it's not just heaven. It's not just earth, right? It's not just spiritual. It's not just physical. It is that dynamic, exceptional region where these meet and bring about a synthesis that happens, can only happen through us in our unique individual expression, right? It can only happen through us as people. So in a lot of ways, the record is incredibly practical. (laughs) It's very, whoa, out there. So anyway. No, I love it because I think we're realizing that the more we open our minds, the more we realize that more is possible than we ever thought. So I'm all for going full force into topics that might seem kind of out there at first. But now that the listeners are at their peak of intrigue, I want to go back and understand what's your story and how did you become aware of the Akashic Records? So I'm going to give you the shortest version I can. (laughs) But here's the story. Listen, you know, Melissa, this is not something the conscious mind ever plans. <laughs> but the soul always wins. I mean, that's what I say. You know, there is something greater than we are at work. Anyway, so this is how this is. I'm from the Midwest, raised in a very traditional American family, traditional religious Midwest Christian, you know, religion situation. What I understood in my life was that if I managed well, I would get, first of all, I was going to get a big prize and then I would get to be happy. So I woke up at 24. Listen, I had done everything right, right? The way I understood that. I woke up, I had everything I thought I wanted. Right, a fabulous apartment, beautiful clothes. But I mean, I had great friends. I had a great life, and I was in agony because I felt this emptiness, and it was inexplicable. It made no sense to me. So I prayed to a god that I didn't even know if there was one at this point. I mean, you understand this is a desperate moment in life, and within about six weeks, I had a life-changing spiritual moment, and in that moment. I was awash with an awareness that who I am and how I am as a person is really good and that life loves me and enjoys me. Now, I want you to know, Melissa, there was nothing in my life to prepare me for this experience. And then 
what happened was, so one moment I'm having this really intimate experience. And then in the next, I don't even know how long, half a tenth of a second or whatever, I have this awareness that I am one with the whole of creation. I'm actually a part of it. I don't exist outside of it. I'm not trying to work my way in. I'm actually, let's say, one of the threads in the fabric. Now, listen, I didn't know what this was. It blew me away. I was 24 years old. This is 40 years ago. All I knew was this. Whatever this is, I have to have it in my life. And I didn't even know. So the search was on. I spent the next 16 years experimenting with everything and truly having the best time. Really a great time. I did everything. I had a great time. And when I was 40, I was like, there's got to be a way to make a connection with this awareness, right, that's sustainable. And it's got to be easy. So don't you know, I met this woman who was talking about the Akashic Record. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I thought she was weird. Do you know know what I'm saying? She was nice. Don't get me wrong. She was very nice. She was very like esoteric and whatever. And I was just like, I thought, well, all I know, though, is I heard her say the word Akashic. And when she said it, it touched something in me. So I went to her class and I did whatever she said to do. I followed the instructions and I opened my records. And you know what? The experience I had then was the closest. It was a mirror of the experience I had had when I was 24. I was, again, oh, going into my records, I was awash with this sense that who I am and how I am in my human form, right, is really good and that I am a part of the whole grand scheme of life. And so that was in 1994. I stopped everything I was doing and started working in the Akashic Record. So since then, what have the Akashic Records brought to you or how has your life changed? When I first started working in the record, one of the very first ideas that came to me, right, was that, oh, this is an infinite spiritual resource. Now, I thought I knew what that was. I was like, oh, yeah, 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 infinite spiritual resource. I want you to know something. It is, I don't even know what it is, 25 years later, right? I sit here. I am now writing my fourth book about the Akashic Record and its uses in personal transformation. I work extensively in Asia, teaching people in other languages how to connect with their own Akashic Record. I have a doctorate in spiritual studies in the Akashic Record. I'm the first person in the world to have such a doctorate. Wow, congratulations. That's amazing. How interesting is it that you open the Akashic Records to find out that your path is the Akashic Records. (laughs) So how do we use this for personal transformation? If there's one topic that keeps coming up in my women's circles, it's our hormones. Frankly, I think that between years of birth control or beauty products that mess with endocrine function, a lot of us are just out of whack. Estro Control is a formula developed by Happy Mammoth, a supplement company dedicated to making women's lives easier. 
It has science-backed herbal extracts that help support hormonal health, especially in women who suffer from PMS. The way EstroControl eases PMS is pretty interesting. The ingredients support the liver, and that's where our hormones get processed, especially estrogen. So when the estrogen isn't processed well in the liver, women may start having PMS, spots on the skin, they get cravings, they feel low all of a sudden. Estro Control was created to help women feel like themselves all throughout the month because PMS can basically rob us of a week of our lives every month. Totally not fair. Estro Control is made specifically for women who are premenopausal, so it's perfect for women that haven't entered menopause yet. And in fact, it's amazing for perimenopause when hormones start to fluctuate and PMS can turn into a beast. I have been relearning myself postpartum. I just started my period again when my baby was 10 months and I forgot how wild these hormone changes can be. I wanted something to just maintain optimal hormone levels and help with mild mood swings, and EstroControl is perfect for this. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com with promo code MINDLOVE at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use promo code MINDLOVE for 15% off your first order. I have always been someone who's prioritized wellness. Well, at least what I understood about it at the time, which has definitely evolved. But now I live in a town where some of my conveniences just aren't as accessible as when I lived in L.A. Then I found Aloe Moves and my whole experience changed. I've been an avid yogi for 16 years, but frankly, I am just underwhelmed by most online yoga. Their flows are either too easy or not varied enough. Well, Aloe Moves has everything. Of course, they have an endless selection of beginner content, since that is the category most people fall into, but they even have advanced and yoga teacher-focused content. They are the only online platform that I can find that I can narrow down the time that I'm looking for precisely. Like, I have 38 minutes today. What you got? <laughs> they have something for every mood. Trying to get a good sweat? Try their award-winning workouts like sweat-inducing yoga flows, hit classes, or reformer Pilates workouts with or without weights. Or find stress relief with meditations, affirmations, face yoga, gua sha, dry brushing, and even journaling for those quiet moments. And when it comes to sleep, it's just as important as fitness and nutrition. Ever since I watched The Art of Sleep on Aloe Moves, I've been falling asleep faster and staying asleep longer. So unlock your personal wellness routine with Aloe Moves. Go to alomoves.com now and use code MINDLOVE for an exclusive 30-day free trial and enjoy 20% off an annual membership. That's alomoves.com code MINDLOVE. alomoves.com code MINDLOVE. How do we use this for personal transformation? Let's be clear. It's not science. That's not what I'm doing. I'm using like, how do we use this spiritual resource for personal transformation? That's the focus of my work. And I want you to know, so I'm actually, I'm working on this book right now and I have to laugh to myself because I had no idea what infinite meant. You know, I keep waiting for this thing to dry up and blow away, and it just keeps going. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, oh, no, guess again, Missy. And there's more. Do you see? So that's how I came into it. And, you know, I have at different times, I've thought, I'm going to go get a job. I mean, <laughs> whatever that, I don't even know what that means anymore. <laughs> but it's like, but the fact of the matter is, I am so taken, right? I feel like the light of the Akasha came to me. And touched me in such a way that it's not like I decided even. It's like I knew in my heart of hearts that whatever this is, I have to see where it goes. 
And it just keeps going. I don't know. You know, I thought when I first came into the record, I thought, oh, well, my hope, you know, was that I could avoid all the difficulties of life and I would earn some supernatural powers. You know, I pay taxes. If I eat too much cake, my jeans are tight. You know, I mean, there's no way to do an end run on the human experience. But working in the record, what I've discovered is not a way to avoid life right? It is a path of light that enables us to engage with life just the way it is, to appreciate ourselves and others just the way we are. And in so doing, it's like to ignite the inherent dignity that's living within each and every one of us. You said you were raised in a religious family. And I'm always curious to ask because most religions not only say that their way is the only way, but they also tend to frame even just exploring other ways as evil. So a big part of my expansion has been expanding what I used to believe to be God. So I'm curious, how has your understanding of God changed since that moment of awakening? All right. You know, I was raised with, first of all, God was a man. Okay, which may or may, I don't know. I don't even know if God has a gender, but that's not, uh, whatever. I don't care anymore. But I was raised with a, a God, a, with a, a man God, who also happened to be white. Okay, so let's be clear about this. And he had a scorecard. <laughs> you know, you were good, you were bad. I mean, you had, there were categories of offenses and I mean, sins. And I mean, it just went on and on. Okay, and what I knew about this God was that, this God was very busy, of course, but the way to earn the love of God was to, of course, be miserable and suffer. Like suffering would earn me points. And, you know, it just was pretty clear to me that I could never win the approval, the full on approval of this God. And what I have come to understand through my work in the records is that the idea of God that I was raised with was an idea of God shared by people all over the world. This is terrible, but it's true. You know, I used to just think, my parents, wow, wow, wow. You know, and then I realized the whole world had been thinking this way for hundreds and hundreds of years. But see, I really believe that the religions, as we understood them, are an expression of our beliefs and understandings. And I thought, wow, isn't this something that the highest idea we had was a God who was kind of a mean son of a gun, right? A punitive rascal. And anyway, that was what human beings believed. And that's fine because we're, we're evolving. Thank goodness, right? <laughs> anyway, so, I mean, and the good news is we're evolving. But so what has really happened most dramatically is, okay, so first of all, the limitations on this God, like, what I have come to understand is that the source of, you know, the God source, the God force, the God power, the God presence is really love, unconditional love. Now, that is a word, you know, that's a tough idea. The thought of unconditional love, like what is that really? It's like that I am lovable no matter what, that we are all lovable naturally. We can't help it. And the other thing is that whatever this power is, whatever this presence is, I cannot get rid of it, right? I cannot scare it away. 
I cannot push it away. I cannot have so many check marks for bad behavior after my name that this force abandoned me. Now, I'll tell you, after initially on my path, I, so I started out with this idea of a God. Then I thought, well, let's see what's going on on the other side of the world. Let's see what they believe in the East. And there I encountered this whole thing about karma. I thought, well, this is the same game, right? Good, bad, right? You know, that the goal of life was to zero out at the end. And see, from an Akashic perspective, what I have come to understand is that, so we have this potential within us, okay? And then the object is we go from lifetime to lifetime to discover the goodness, the immutable, indestructible goodness within, and to learn to love ourselves as we are known and loved by the divine reality or within this divine reality. Okay. So that I come to this life and I'm like, you know, let's say I'm a fisherman and, you know, my kid falls out of the boat. How do I love myself even though even though my son drowned, right? How do I love myself even though I'm an imperfect parent? How do I love myself when I'm the queen of England? How do I love myself if I'm a gangster? How do I love myself? Because see, when we're talking about unconditional love, that's a big word, unconditional. That means no matter what. So if the divine presence loves that way, the goal is to actually allow that to come through and to actually become one who is open to that level of loving without reserve. And so my idea of the God force, my understanding has a lot to do with my experience, right? As opposed to my ideas. Usually I have, usually I have experiences and then I figure them out later, right? I, what I like to do, I like to think that I know in advance, but I don't. So the Akashic records hold all information, including our divine potential. So just to clarify, how do you explain the difference between this divine potential and a predetermined destiny? Oh, easy. I actually don't know if that's an easy question, but that's a great question. That's a great question. So here's the thing. And I learned this in the records, too. Some of the things that I thought were like soul issues were things like maybe making a million dollars, writing a book. Achieving the perfect body. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Whatever. This kind of stuff. That if I were really spiritual, I mean, I would just be sitting out on the lanai in Hawaii drinking iced tea or something, you know, and that I would never be bothered by life. Anyway, I've been learning a lot about what these like soul's intentions, right? Soul's purposes and intentions. What are those really? And there are always some variation on how can I become or what are the opportunities for me to be most loving in this life? Okay, because if it's spiritual, it will be an expression of love. So here's the thing. Like in this lifetime, I'm not a fine artist. I like art. So this thing of like a destiny, I may say, oh, I have this destiny to do this. Well, you know, maybe that was another life. Maybe that's a future life. Maybe artistic appreciation is a way I can experience love in this life. 
do you see? So we want to begin to look at some of the ideas. What is it I'm thinking is my soul's destiny? But the real thing is, how do I love myself in any and all circumstances? Okay. And because we're all unique individuals, you know, like the way I love myself is different than the way you love yourself. Like I love to ice skate. When I'm ice skating, I am like, oh my God, it's like intoxicating. I just love it. I'm not a very good ice skater, but that doesn't stop me. Do you know what I'm saying? It's thrilling to me. Now, I know there are people who live 25 lifetimes. I say to them, ice skating's the way to go. They're like, no, it's not. It's that each one of us find the ways through which we can most easily and authentically experience the love within us. Like what unleashes that love? I think of divine potential as the ultimate expression that our soul is looking for. And so through our lifetime, we're just uncovering clues bit by bit and following them, like what gives us energy and what brings us joy. And those things might bring us closer to that full expression. But the Akashic Records are like an insight into this highest potential. But just because we know we can do something big or be something big, and even when we love those things, it doesn't mean that we're always going to do it or we're always going to follow through. Like if somebody told me right now that if I work on it every day hard enough, I could build a machine to travel through time. That doesn't mean that I have the stamina for that project. Or you, for example, you've spent your life bringing the Akashic Record to secular people. But what happens if you just said nope to that mission? You know, okay, so at this point, I've, so I've written three books about the records. Now, I want to tell you, if I hadn't have done that, it's interesting because my first book, How to Read the Akashic Records, came out 10 years ago. Here's what I know. If I had not written that book, somebody else would have. Now, they wouldn't have written the exact same book. It wouldn't have been the same year. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I could have said no. I could have said, like, when, you know, as I sat here, whatever, as I sat at my kitchen table writing, I could have said, forget it. I'm not going to do this. I'm going to order a pizza and watch TV. Okay. I could have done that. But actually, part of me couldn't. In every lifetime, there are what I've come to understand is like karmic imperatives, things within us that we are compelled to do, right, that we just do. Not because anybody else, no one ever said to me, hey, how about those Akashic records? That never happened. You know, my sister, my, I have an older sister. And uh, she goes, you know, this could be a good book. It could be a terrible book. She goes, no one knows what you're talking about. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember, but do you see? So I don't know. I think we all have all kinds of potential. But I think we don't have all potential in every one lifetime. Some lifetimes we're here. Can I love myself even though I never get off the couch? Some lifetimes are like that. That's the real game. How do I love myself when my best efforts, I don't know, whatever happens or doesn't happen? How do I love myself even though? You know, I talked to somebody yesterday who's very sick and dying, actually. And it's so interesting because he's like, what can I do to change it? I'm like, I don't know. It looks like you're packing up for paradise, honey. It's not the end of the game. 
It's just a shift in our position. The question is, how do I love myself even though I am so damn sick and I can't change it? See, this is what is really at stake here. I don't think we come in with a to-do list. I think we come in with opportunities. Oh, in this life, wow, I am going to be in this very large family in the Midwest. You know, I will be brainwashed in this certain way. Let's see. Let's see what happens now. Can I love myself, even though I have a Chicago accent, you know, or whatever? Yeah, that's a good point, because I think we tend to equate potential with achievement. But there are so many other aspects to potential, like our potential for love or our potential for inner peace or even spiritual potentials that we might not even fully understand at this point in our evolution, like teaching calculus to Neanderthals. <laughs> right. And, you know, obviously, I like achievement. I think it's great. But, you know... It's not the point. Here's the idea. Achievement is only the point when it is at this point in time, right? At this moment in time, personal achievement is the most authentic way for me personally to experience the infinite love within. Allow that to come through, right? And share it with the world. I have to experience it first and then express it. Now, let's say I'm an architect and there's nothing that thrills me more than building a building, right? Working out the plans, doing the math calculations, right? I have a friend who's a doctor. She loves being a doctor. She is like... You know, blood, guts, gore, sick people. She doesn't even know that it's messy. I would rather chop off my own arm than, I mean, first of all, I could never get into medical school. Let's start there. But do you know what I'm saying? It's like, what? Like, that sounds to me like torture. Spending the day with sick people? I don't think so. Do you know? So we want to look like we look at the people who are happy and they're like really thrilled to be who they are and to be living life. And it can be anything from just being in your house making donuts, right, which is actually a lot of fun, or it could be doing brain surgery. It doesn't matter. The fact is that life is made up of us all. And like, I can't do your part, Melissa, and you can't do mine. And the game is that each one of us become aware to the best of our ability, right? Always imperfect because we're just human to become aware of what it is that's really inspiring me in the moment. Okay. And sometimes we have to go get jobs to make money. So that's all right. Go get a job. Right? There's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes it's the best thing to do. Take the pressure off. Go get a job. Start your healing practice this afternoon. You're right, though, because it seems like now that we have more opportunities to make money, aside from just working for someone else or the old route of working your way up a corporate ladder, I think that some people almost feel pressured to go that route or that they're less than if they don't. 
We actually touched on this way back in episode 14. But first of all, you can still fully express yourself while working in a job for the rest of your life. And second, if you are trying to start something of your own like I am, finances can be really stressful. I think the most important part is finding happiness in the now, wherever you are on your path, and finding balance. So if working a nine to five or getting a side hustle, or working at a gas station even, helps you find that happiness, or it even frees up energy to do what does make you happy, even if it's as simple as snowboarding on the weekends, then just do it. You know, when I first started doing readings, this was really great. What I did was I started a house cleaning business. Okay. So, you know, I had two weeks worth of clients. That's all I needed. Right. And every day I would go and I would clean people's houses, which I loved because it wasn't my own house. I mean, that's really, let's talk here. Anyway, but it was fun, right? So I would go and I would clean houses. And then in the evenings, I would do readings. It worked out great because I didn't have the pressure, financial pressure. You know, we cannot do an end run on life. The fact of the matter is, you know, we may have great spiritual gifts and healing and this and that. I mean, and many people do. Absolutely. That's absolutely true. And many people are certainly worth, you know, $1,000 an hour or something. But if you've only done, if you've only worked with three people in your life, it may be true at one level that you're worth $1,000 an hour, but you have to work your way into it. That's the thing about this planet. It's very practical. It's like, all right, go do 10,000 readings, then you'll be an expert. What I love about teaching in my classes, when I teach, whether it's live or live online, right? When I teach a class, what I know is that everyone who comes to the class, people only come to a class like mine because they have natural ability. People who don't have the ability, they don't even know this class is happening. (laughs) I don't know what they're doing. They're in the park playing Frisbee or something. They're not at my class. Only people who are like already related to it can show up. So they show up. Here's what I understand. They bring the talent. You come to my class. I know you're coming because you already have the ability. Life is merciful. Life is generous. Life isn't going to send you to a class you're going to fail at. Right. So anyway, so you come to the class and what I can give a student is I can give you like the rules of the road. This is what works. This is what doesn't. This is what helps. This is what doesn't. If you want a practice of engaging in the Akashic Record to empower you to transform your own life, these are the recommendations. This is what works. This is what doesn't. If you want to be able to help others, here's a few more guidelines. Now, if you don't care, you do whatever you want. (laughs) I mean, and I really mean that. People do it all the time. They're like, oh, I don't like it your way. I'm like, that's all right. You don't have to do it my way. But the thing is, I know how many decades into this, I know that this is a way that really works. I wanted to ask you about something because I came across this article that's basically discounting the spiritual teacher who also teaches on the Akashic Records. Well, the writer says something in there that I wanted to get your feedback on. Here's the quote. She says she can access the Akashic records, 
which are a compendium of all human knowledge, events, thoughts, and feelings through time. So she literally believes that she knows everything. Knowledge is great. I love knowledge. I love school. I love it. Knowledge is great. It is not power. It is not heart. So part of the spiritual challenge is who needs it? No one. I mean, I certainly don't. I can't handle another list of things to do. Doesn't matter if some voice from another galaxy is telling me to do something. It, that's not helpful because the list is already way too long. But the real thing is to have that experience, right? To be touched in the heart, to have that like, oh my God, who I am in this moment, in this life is good enough. That the choices I've made, you know, no one ever intentionally gets up and says, today's the day I'm going to ruin my life and yours. Honest to God, where we got these crazy ideas, right? The fact of the matter is every pattern of behavior that we have, even the ones that get us very tangled up, every single one of them was a good idea when we picked it or we wouldn't have picked it for heaven's sakes. I work with a lot of people. I haven't met any stupid ones yet. No one ever says, I'm going to marry this guy because he's a real loser. No. No one has ever said that to me. People have said, God, I don't know what happened when we met. Do you understand? Working in the record is like holding up this lens of unconditional regard for ourselves and then, of course, others. So we begin to see and know ourselves in, in the true integrity of our goodness. And we begin to see the same about others. And as we begin to, like our perceptions, our, like our perspective shifts, yeah? And as that happens, then, of course, life, life becomes very different. And we're no longer victims. We're no longer victims. We can climb down off that cross or whatever the heck we're hanging on to. It's not about that anymore. Let's dive into the how we access the Akashic Records. Where do we start? And now for another episode of Lies We've Been Told About Our Health. We've all heard we need eight glasses of water a day, right? Well, hydration isn't actually about water intake. It's about the balance of water and electrolytes so that our bodies are actually absorbing the water instead of just passing it through. A lot of people go for those sugary sports drinks, but let's be real, those do more harm than good. I've found a better solution. Element. It's a zero-sugar electrolyte drink that's all about effective hydration. Each pack gives you essential electrolytes like sodium and potassium without the unnecessary additives found in other drinks. The team behind Element includes experts in biochemistry and nutrition, so they really know what they're doing. And it's not just for everyday use either. Elite athletes and teams, Olympic weightlifters, CrossFit champions, Navy SEALs, all rely on it too, which to me says a lot about its effectiveness. Here's what makes them really unique. They recently launched a hot chocolate line with flavors like chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. Ever since I went alcohol-free, I've been really intentional about luxurious, health-focused drinks so I can sit back and unwind while actually doing good for my body. And the Element Chocolate Chai is great for relaxing in the evening or warming up after winter sports. And you can try Element totally risk-free. If you don't like it, you'll get your money back, no questions asked. Receive a free Element sample pack with any order when you purchase through drinkelement.com slash mindlove. That's drinklmnt.com slash mindlove to get a free starter pack with any order. 
Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors and take about 20,000 breaths a day. And get this, the indoor air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air, and in some cases up to 100 times more polluted, according to the EPA. And did you know that air pollution is responsible for nearly 7 million premature deaths globally? So what's the solution? Two words, living intentionally. We have to take full responsibility for every area of our lives, including our health, which also includes our air. And that's why I love my air doctor. As a reminder, when you support my sponsors, you also support the show. Air Doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants, so your lungs don't have to. This includes pollutants like allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mite, spores, and even bacteria and viruses. I live in the mountains, and our air is pretty great. When I drive home, I can witness myself rising above the cloud of pollution that covers the rest of Southern California. But I know that even in the mountains, my home traps in the contaminants that my family brings inside. Plus, just sleeping one night with my air doctor, I could actually feel the difference. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day breathe-easy money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund, minus shipping. So head to Air Doctor Pro and use promo code MIND, and depending on the model, you'll get up to $300 off. You're saving up to $300. Lock this special offer by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use promo code MIND. That's promo code M-I-N-D. Let's dive into the how we access the Akashic Records. Where do we start? I work with this pathway prayer process. It came to me in 2001. And it's really incredible because it connects us into the heart of the Akasha, which is very interesting. When I was first working in the record, it was very mental, right? Very much about the mind and it was good. It was good. But I thought there's something missing, right? So then I got this prayer that actually facilitates this slight shift in our perception. See, when we work in the records now, it's conscious, responsible, and deliberate. Okay, so we use that, we say this prayer, and in the saying of the prayer, we experience a slight shift of awareness. Okay, it's like a sacred space, it's a sanctuary, yes, but it's the heart of the record. When working in my own records, what I do is I say this prayer, I open the records, I say the prayer. And what works best for me and for many people, especially working in our own records, right, is to journal. When you're journaling, is it like automatic writing or do you start with a prompt? So I'll have questions, right? I have a 25-year-old son who I love. He's an artist. He's a wonderful person. And he's into tattoos. Now I'm really not into tattoos. I appreciate them. And I understand this is important to him. You know, everything's symbolic, whatever. I got it. I still want to cry when I look at his multicolor arms, right? I'm like, oh my God, I know enough to know it's not. The problem is not him. The problem is me here. I go into my records and I write my question at the top. And the question we always want to start with ourselves and we want to work with the issue. See, our soul's purposes and intentions are not outside our experience. They're within our experience. So I want to ask about things that are happening in my life that are baffling to me. I love that word baffling. So I go and I write. And I am very sacrilegious in a lot of ways. What's up with me about these Michael and his tattoos? What's wrong with me, right? What is with me? Because I understand, I learned a long time ago that I can't change him. 
hard to believe, but it's true. And I'm like, you're kidding me. They're like, no, guess again. Anyway, so I go in the records. So I'm asking this, what about these tattoos? Blah, blah, blah. Okay. It's like I'm having a conversation with myself, but I write things down, right? Now, it's not like automatic writing where it's like, oh, I don't know what I'm saying. I'm like, oh, but I'm writing down whatever is coming, right? And the first thing is, you know, Linda, these are not your arms. <laughs> so you might just want to mind your own business. And I'm like, ouch. Okay, but then it goes on. And part of it is that, you know, I remember when he was a baby and the beautiful baby skin. And, and now he's a hairy guy. Anyway, yeah, do you understand? But the whole idea is like I'm having a conversation in a lot of ways. It's like I'm having a conversation with myself, but I'm writing things down. What types of insights are we looking for? Or what tends to come out of this? Here's what often happens. I look at whatever this is. I read over this. It might be a page, page and a half, right? It's not. Sometimes it's a lot. Sometimes it's a lot, depending on the question and how tangled up I am. And I look at this and I'm like, oh, this is so obvious. It's so trite, right? And I close my records and I go about my business. And maybe 10 days later, and I continue to do, you know, whatever's going on, right? I explore. I continue to explore. So it's not divination. To divine, you know, is to tell the future. So that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking to explore. I want to examine and explore. I want to understand who am I in the matter? Because that's the only point of power is with the self. There's no power outside of ourselves. It's within. So I'm exploring, right? I go back and I read about Michael and his tattoos, maybe a week later, maybe usually like two weeks later. I'm reading my notes. I'm like, you know, this is really good. Why did I think it was so trivial at the time? And what I'm beginning to understand is that right after I'm in the records, my own records, I don't think it's a big deal. I really don't. It is only later I see the richness and the depth. And the depth really has to do with me learning how to really respect someone else's humanity and how to honor someone else's creative choices. How do I dignify that? Right? Now, I want to be true to myself, and I don't want to take him to the tattoo parlor. I'm not going. Yeah, understand this. I am learning how do I bring dignity to this young man who's very creative? Because if I condemn him, if I start down that path, like, don't do that. I've tried it. It's not helpful. Do you see? It's like, oh, so there's a whole different direction. The records aren't saying, oh, your son's a nitwit. They're like, no, 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 you don't understand. It's completely different for him. And the truth is, I don't understand. So if I'm looking for a, like a quick answer, it's not in the records. This is not fortune telling. Get the cards. Get a good astrologer. I have a couple of great ones. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying don't do that. I'm saying we want to know what this is. This is when I look to see who I am in any situation with any person, any condition in my life. Who am I being? How am I responding? What is interfering with my ability to experience the love within myself and others? This kind of insight sounds so much like my first experience with ayahuasca. 
So as the ayahuasca was working its magic in my peak state, it's like I would think of something that I wanted clarity on and I'd suddenly see it through a lens of the highest good. So let me give you an example. I brought into my intention this difficult relationship I had had. And so while in that state, I called it to me, which basically means I thought about it. And I felt like I was connecting with this person's soul in another realm. It felt like we were both radiating love and anything else just melted away. I even pictured us laughing about the silly things that our humans get worked up about and realized that that's not the real us. And to be clear, all of this happened just while in the presence of that other person's soul as I was seeing it. It wasn't a verbal conversation. It was telepathic almost. There was just such clarity with that. I felt like I could move on immediately. So next, I brought in my eating disorder. And suddenly it was like I was viewing my body as another entity. It was like a sister that I loved with all of my heart. And I was able to see the torment that I brought to her, basically beating her into submission for a decade. And I just embraced her. Or me. I embraced me. It was my body. But it was like we re merged together and it really felt like this deep soul healing around that issue. Things just had clarity so quickly. The shamans told us to come in with an intention, so I kind of thought I'd be working through that one issue the entire time. But the clarity came in an instant, like a light shed and truth shone. So I was just going from one issue to the next. And yes, some things I knew needed to be healed, but others were things I just wanted to see from the highest good. I brought in my relationship with my husband. I brought in my dad. It was all pretty amazing. So think about it. If we can access that realm with a tool given to us by Mother Earth, shouldn't there be a way to access it on our own? So how is working within our own Akashic Records different from helping other people access theirs? Like if I'm working with you, we have a similar, it looks like you and I having a conversation. Now, when I work in the records, people get the records in a couple of different ways. A small group here, they like hear messages. I don't hear messages. I don't hear messages. It's a small group. Then the next group, also small, they see images. But the fact of the matter is probably 85% of the people who work in the record have what we call a sense of knowing. I know my friends always used to say this to me. Oh, the truth is within. Just go within. I'm like, I'd love to. How do you get in? Right. All right. If it's in there, help me out here, guys. Anyway, so I go into the record and it's as if the light of the Akasha shines through me and bounces off my soul. Right. Which you can think of really as the floor of the heart center. The light of the Akasha floods in and stimulates the wisdom and the love and the insight that we've been accumulating throughout our incarnations in partnership with the divine reality, in partnership. See, when we talk about co-creative, this is really how I understand what that is. It's not like there's some God force doing it to me, and it's not like out here on my own. There's a partnership going on here. And this Akashic light, I like to think of it, too, as the energetic connective tissue between the soul and the source. 
So see, we're always connected to the source. We just forget. Of course we forget. We're people. So some people, when we work with other people, it's like having a conversation. So it can look very ordinary. There's no hands on. I mean, sometimes the weirdest thing for people is like if someone comes and I say, you know, I'm going to say a prayer. You know, you have to be willing to say a prayer in the presence of another human being, often a stranger. And a lot of time it's the reader, because it's not like a system where it's like, if this happens, say that. No, 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 no. This is about being in the moment and expressing, describing what it seems like you're getting to the best of your ability. And because it's not a hard science, it can be a little risky. You can feel like, you know, I often say to people, uh, I don't know if this is right. Because I don't know until I say it out loud. You know, we know that energy moves on the formed word. Yes. And as we describe what it seems like we're getting, this is where it's in the description. You can ask me about stuff, but I'm not going to be able to do any fortune telling. But if you want to explore, you know, some situation in your life that really makes no sense. Usually the Akashic Record reader is the last person anyone goes to. You know, they've already talked to their, they've worn out their friends, their therapist. They're like, I don't know. I don't know. You know. So by seeing a situation through a different lens or through a higher perspective, that can be used as healing, right? It is healing. Every reading is a healing. See, when we talk about healing through the records, we're talking about spiritual healing. Okay. We're not doctors not therapists. This is spiritual healing. So it's in the family of like spiritual counseling. Yeah. And so in spiritual healing, what occurs is there's a transformation in our relationship to our unfortunate events, our wounds, you know, painful experiences. So we don't make things go away. Like sometimes people will say, can you erase that from my records? I'm like, no. I can't. You know, if somebody hit you with the frying pan, they really hit you with the frying pan. We don't do that. But what we do do is we see it through a lens of unconditional love. Can I love myself even though they hit me? Can I love myself even though I couldn't stop them? And as we begin to see this, then the impact, the devastating impact of the wounds that we experience is released. We don't change what is. We see it from uh, the perspective of truth. And the truth is loving. It is kind. It is respectful. It's not ridicule, torment, it, making fun of it. I don't know what that is. There's not, nothing spiritual about that. Well, thank you so much for your knowledge and making the Akashic Records feel so approachable in a way. I feel like I came in with so many questions and I answered them all. <laughs> so for listeners who are interested in learning more about you, reading your books, and even doing a reading with you, where can they find you online? Okay, lindahow.com. <laughs> Just go to lindahow.com. I have a website. I'm on Facebook too. You can look at that. Join the list. Coming up next year, I'll be in Seattle in March. And then throughout the year. I know I'm coming out to LA and I think it's next September and I'll be teaching a course on manifesting through the Akashic Records, bringing your soul's purposes to life. So because I have a lot of exciting things going on. I'm going to be doing a live online class in the spring. 
which is really great. You know, it's a lot of fun. It's very convenient. You know, these live online things are a blast. So um, there are many different ways to be in touch. So so please, please reach out and let me know what kind of classes you're interested in. You know, I'm always looking to see how I can ha- support people on this path um, because it is it's a new path. And I believe that certainly the people who come to me deserve the very finest education and information about the record. They deserve the best training possible because I know that the people who come to me come with a profound desire in their heart to be helpful to themselves and to the people they love. And I will do everything that I can to help them along that way. So thank you. Linda mentions a prayer to set your intention and shift your energy. So I'll link to that in the show notes. And there are also other versions of this prayer that you can find online. So find one that resonates with you or reword it until it feels right to you. For those of you who have religious blockages or have a hard time opening your minds to prayer, I feel ya. Remember, it's as simple as where you put your attention is where your energy goes. So prayer is just another word for focused intention. And speaking the words pushes that intention into form. So give it a go and definitely let me know if you try it and have any insights. All of the links and resources mentioned in this episode are at mindlove.com slash 056, including that amazing docuseries. It's a PBS Nova special, but it's on Amazon Prime. You can support Mind Love by supporting our sponsors. I partner with brands I fully believe in, and I absolutely love my sponsors. If you're enjoying Mind Love, tell a friend, family member, or coworker about it. And don't forget to subscribe on CastBox or Apple Podcasts and rate and review on Apple Podcasts. If you didn't catch it, people have been loving the morning Mind Love emails. So sign up at mindlove.com or text morning to 444-999 and follow me on social at Mind Love Podcast. Thanks for giving your mind a little love today and I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into your higher frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your butts up until next week. 